When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. And this darkness, literal darkness, just came like all over, just, just all over me except where I was standing. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. believers who's ready for more about dark holler i know i am so i was so much in fact that uh i reached out to josh robinson who's the pastor that ward was talking about last week that performed the exorcism um i thought it would be good to get his first-hand account you know since he was he was the man doing the work let's uh let's get into it with him get his perspective and uh just dig a little bit more into this story, get a few more pieces to the puzzle, and then you can be like me and just be anxiously, impatiently awaiting the release of Dark Hol- Dark Holler Films. My name is Josh Robinson, and uh, to kind of give an introduction of who I am, I'm a husband, a father, a pastor of a church in Madison, West Virginia, just down the road from you. Um, it's uh, called New Haven Church. And I'm also a co-host of a podcast called The Sword and the Staff. And uh, we like to talk about a lot of fringe topics, paranormal topics, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. And kind of, a, we kind of approach it through a, a Christian type of, uh, of lens, kind of examining some of that kind of stuff. Uh, my co-host, Richie, uh, he is a former practicing occultist who has uh, become a Christian. And so we have a lot of interesting conversations between the two of us uh, that uh, has really uh, got a following in some ways. And we're, we're really happy about that. And uh, that's kind of where we where I, I got familiar with you is, you know, kind of in that same community. And uh, so, yeah, it's uh, nice to meet you and uh, glad to be here on the podcast with you today. Hey, thanks, Josh. It's nice to meet you too, man. Uh, who knew that we were sitting so close to, <laughs> to each other for all this time. Right. I would have never imagined. No, it's, it's worked out though. Uh, thankfully I got a hold of Ward or he got a hold of me, one or the other. I can't remember now. And, you know, we kind of met each other through him yeah. and he was telling me, you know, about dark holler yeah. and, uh, what went on with you during the baptism yeah. of, you know, one of your parishioners, I guess you was, um, yeah. if you don't mind, I think it would be great if I could get your perspective on everything that happened that day. I mean, at the time this airs, yeah, you know, listeners will have heard Ward last week. So if yeah. you could just if you could tell it from from your side, and we'll just kind of pick it apart a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Well, I'll kind of back us up a little bit and kind of give a little little more background to it, and just kind of my history with uh, Kristen, who is the girl who's actually uh, that, that we're referring to here. So. Um, I'll say this, I, I met, well, didn't meet, I met Ward during the filming of Dark Holler, but I've known Ward for years. Like I've known Ward for probably, oh man, five, five years, something like that, half a decade now. And uh, we met through similar uh, mutual friends, uh, through just kind of some of the church circles that we run in. And uh, we got to know one another through that uh we've been in a lot of theological debates over the years and you know that kind of thing that's what what guys that's what we like to do um so anyway that's kind of how i got to know ward and um 
so kind of just preface it with that and how I kind of got in that'll lead us up at some point here to how I ended up involved with dark holler. Um, so I've known him for some years. And so back in 2016, 2017, I planted a, a church. Uh, we started off originally in Chapmanville, West Virginia. Then we bounced to Logan, West Virginia, just down the road. Then we bounced back to Chapmanville, West Virginia. Now we've bounced to Madison, West, West Virginia. Uh, we trying our best to just find a building, you know, that, that we could, you know, have all our people in and that kind of stuff. And so anyway, so uh, we have a family who has been attending our church now for three years and um, uh, great family, really faithful family. And um, the man who is, uh, his name is Derek Angel. He's actually in Dark Holler as well. So for everybody who gets to see Dark Holler, you'll see these people that I'm, you'll get to meet the people that I'm talking about here. But um, so Derek and his wife, Misty, um, they, they plugged into our church back around um, 2019, somewhere like that. I think it was like the beginning of 2019. And uh, so got to know them. Uh, he eventually became a deacon. He and I become uh, friends, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you know, through the progress or, you know, through the progress he made through his deacon candidacy and all that stuff. So, uh, during that, you know, as that relationship was building, uh, you know, personally, and then also, you know, in the church, I, I got to meet some of their family and I got to meet his wife's sister, uh, Kristen, uh, named Kristen Bellamy. And whenever I first met Kristen, um, Kristen had been uh, addicted to, to drugs for, for a while. And I don't know if uh, I haven't got to listen to Ward's interview. So I don't know if he talked about kind of some of her background, yeah. but um, so Kristen though had been, so I knew a little bit about Kristen. I didn't know a ton about her, but what I mostly knew about her came through her sister, Misty. And it was mostly in the form of prayer requests, you know, being a pastor, you know, you're all the time having people, you know, hey, you know, pray for my family member, you know, that kind of thing, right? right. So um, what I learned about Kristen primarily came through that. And basically what I had, what I knew about her at the time was that she had an addiction problem and that she was also um, pairing that with uh, practicing witchcraft. Mm -hmm. And like she was, like she wasn't the type of, you know, kind of teeny bopper, you know, witch that you see like on Instagram, you know, who's just using the hashtags like hashtag witch or, right. you know, that kind of stuff. She, she wasn't into that. Like she was like seriously deep into the stuff that she was in, like where she, you know, I didn't know it then, but I know now like where she had her own altar and, you know, was, you know, doing things with that and, you know, you doing rituals and all, all this stuff. But anyway, um, so you know, I had met Kristen a couple times and she didn't really seem too interested in anything that I had to say or really just me as a person, honestly. Right. Uh, and she, she talks about that some in the film where she said that if she was around a Christian during that point in her life, it was almost like uncomfortable for her. You know what I mean? Like there was just something about being around people who were Christians that just put her at an unease. Hmm. And so uh, I didn't know that at the time, but, but yeah, so I had met her um, and, you know, just knew a little bit about her, um, had no idea that the struggle was as, as, as deep and as dark as it was. But um, so anyway, but I, I knew, like I said, I knew a little bit about her. So one day I get a call from Misty, who is her sister. And she's basically, she basically says to me, Hey, I have been sharing the gospel with my sister, uh, Kristen, and she's asking to be baptized. I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm like, this is, this is the same sister, right? Yeah. The one who's, you know, been dabble, you know, who's been doing witchcraft and, you know, who's, you know, had the you know drug. And she's like, yes. She's like, you know, my fam some of my family members have been over to the house and have shared the gospel with her. I came afterwards and, you know, wanted to, you know, talk with her as well. And she's professing faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And she's like, and she's wanting to know if you'll baptize her. I'm like, well, you know, if she's doing that, then, you know, absolutely. Um, so I was like, well, I'll tell you what. I was like, I'll, she's like, could you at least talk to her? 
I was like, absolutely. I was like, so um, I'll meet you guys at Madison Park, which is just a block, about a block away from where I'm at right now. Um, it's at a little league park, you know, all that. And I was like, absolutely. I'll, I'll meet you guys at Madison Park. And um, we'll, I'll, you know, I'll talk to her and we'll see what's going on. And they're like, okay, excellent. Sounds good. So I load up in my car. This is a Sunday evening. This is after church. Um, we'd had church that morning. It was really just out of the blue. And like I said, prior to this event, that's all I knew about Kristen. I didn't know anything else about her other than those things. Um, so I loaded up in my car in about, I don't know, it was about 6 or 7 p.m., something like that, somewhere in that time range. Um, I came down here to Madison Park, which is where we always do baptisms at. We've always done baptisms at Madison Park. Just a really great location, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway... So I got here and whenever I got here, there was like a, just a bunch of people like from her family that was like here with her. And like, I had never really met the majority of them. Uh -huh. And you know, like her mom is here and like her cousins are here and, you know, her sister's here and her, you know, Derek's here. Her brother, oh, he was at work. Yeah. He was at work at the time. Um, but like her sister, his, her sister's here. And then there's some people from our church here who are personal friends with them. I'm just like, wow. I was like, I was not expecting this. And so, you know, I see Kristen, she's sitting over at a picnic table that's sitting in front of uh, just, it's about uh, 50 yards up from the river. And she's sitting there with her mother. And so I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'll go over and talk to her. And so me and one of the men who is one of our elder candidates at our church, um, we had been talking prior to walking up and I was like, well, let's go over here and see what's going on. So we, we walk over and I introduce myself to Kristen. And, um, and I was, I was like, hi, you know, I'm, I'm pastor Josh. I'm, you know, your sister's pastor and Derek's pastor. And, um, you know, I heard that you are professing faith in Christ. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if, I think that at this point she was detoxing. I think that she, she had was coming off of the drugs that she was using. Um, but she was very, uh, like she was, she is not the same person at this point that she is today. I'll just say that. Okay. Like she, like the person that she was whenever I met her the, here, it was just entirely different than, than how she, she is. So anyway, um, and she's like, you know, she kind of, she's looking up at me and she's like, yeah. And like, she doesn't have a lot to say. <laughs> like, she's not like, you know, like if anybody knows Kristen, like Kristen's not a, uh, especially at this point, um, she's not a super like loud person. Like she's not somebody who's super talkative, very reserved, mm -hmm. or, like uh, very shy and backwards. Um, she's a little bit less backwards now, you know, now that, you know, now that she's no longer, you know, struggling with addiction and things like that. But anyway, um, so I was like, oh, okay. So I'm like, so you, I'm like, you believe this, this, and this. Uh, like you believe death, burial, resurrection, Christ. For She's like, yeah, I believe that. I was like, okay, well, I was like, I, I, you know, I see no reason to not baptize you, you know, um, you know, in order to be baptized, that's what you have to believe. And so I was like, so I guess we'll just walk down here to the river together and, you know, we'll do this thing. And she's like, okay. So as, so, so her and I, and the other man who is one of our elder candidates, we proceed to the little coal river, um, and which is just down off the dock from where we're at. And um, we get in the water. And as we get into the water, like we, we walk on out through there. And she talks about now that as she was walking into the water, it just felt like that there was this presence stopping her from trying to go out. Mm -hmm. um, she, she actually broke her toe immediately getting into the water. Like, so just this weird, just freak, like accident. Yeah. Um, like just really odd. Um, I've, I've baptized all kinds of people in that river and like, I've never seen anything like that. So uh -huh. anyway, so we make our way out to the river. Um, we get about midways into the river. And um, so I, we, we kind of face the crowd and I begin to kind of tell what the little bit of the story that I know about Kristen. And basically I address the crowd and I say this, I said, you know, this is Kristen. Uh, Kristen has given her life to, to Christ. You know, she's believing in the gospel. 
And as some of you guys know, she's had struggles and darkness in her life, and she's going to need your help in the fight and in the battle to overcome a lot of this, uh, overcome a lot of this. And um, those are some of the things that I remember saying. I, I would have to like, I would have to go back. There's a video of it out there. That's a, in my mind. That's what I remember. Um, it's something along those lines, but it was, it was interesting. So, so after I addressed the crowd, before we baptized her, I said to her, Hey, do you mind if I pray for you? She's like, no, go ahead. And I'm not kidding you. Um, so here's the reason why I, I want to lay out the rationale as to why I decided. So, yeah. you know, it, in church history, whenever baptisms were done, exorcisms always, always accompanied them. I didn't know that. Most people don't know that. Yeah. But if you look back throughout church history, there were baptismal rites where the recipient of baptism would renounce the devil. Like you can just Google that and you can find it. It's like, I renounce the devil and all his vain pomp and, you know, all this stuff. Um, but there were, there was kind of this little, uh, you know, ritual or liturgy that kind of went with, with baptisms that was a minor exorcism is what it's called. And, um, well, I mean, if you think about the symbolism of why it, it makes sense, because, you know, it's, it's kind of like, a, a, you know, you know, the story in the Bible, right? When, when God brings the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage and he brings them through the Red Sea, right? Right. It's, it's kind of the same symbolism, right? So, it's, that's a deliverance, right? God delivers them out of the kingdom of darkness and then brings them into the kingdom of light. So that's really what's going on in baptism. And that's why the church attached this, this ritual to, to baptism, because they saw it as being very similar. God taking someone out of the kingdom of darkness, mm-hmm. bringing them through the waters, and bringing them into the kingdom of light. And so anyway, so I, I, I knew that. And I thought to myself, I was like, if anybody has, if anybody is experiencing demonic oppression mm-hmm. or even possession, it would be this girl. Yeah. But just because of what little bit I know about her, um, just because I know that she's dabbled in this stuff and, you know, there's, there's this history with drugs, this would be the person who would struggle with this kind of stuff. I'm like, so I think that this would be a great time to say, you know, this traditional exorcism prayer that goes along with this. So I start, I asked her if I could pray with her. She said, absolutely. So I basically said a, a, a version of this, this baptismal rite, this exorcism prayer. And, uh, you know, basically it's asking God that if there's anything, any types of spiritual warfare, any types of demonic uh, entities oppressing this person, that he would cast them out and that he would judge them is basically what, what's going on with it. So I pray this. And as soon as I pray this, there is a reaction to this that I've never experienced before. And I've never experienced since. So as soon as I said that she starts, like, it's almost like this type of convulsion. I don't know how that's the closest thing that it's like this low like this low key, Mm -hmm. just shaking behavior. Never seen anything like it before. Never seen anything since every baptism that we do at our church has this exorcism that accompanied. I've never seen anything like it. Um, and like I look me and the other guy, like we look at one another and we're like, okay, we've never seen this before. Right. And so, um, you know, we're like, okay, well, you know, we'll just keep going. And so at that time, I, I kind of, I, we, I grabbed one of her arms and he grabs one of the other, her other arm. And I look to the, to the crowd and I kind of start to say the, you know, the triune formula that you have for baptism, you know, you know, you say the person's name is like, Kristen, we now, because of your profession of faith, we now baptize you in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Right. And before we ever got to finish that bat, the baptismal formula, before I said, we baptize you name in the father and the son. And she starts falling backwards. Like just, wow. I've never just really odd. I've never 
experienced anything like it but it, it kind of worked out because we were fixed i said and holy spirit and then we just we just went on with the the you know her falling and just picked her straight up so we plunged her down into the water and then when we brought her back up there was this just piercing scream that came from her whenever she come up out of the water and as a pastor i've witnessed a lot of different types of behaviors at baptisms, right? Like I've, you know, I've, I've seen people who are very stoic, right. like who go down into the water and they come back out and there's not a ton of emotion. Right. I've seen people who go down into the water and then they come out and they're crying. I've seen people who've went down on the water and come out and there's a little bit of shouting. Yeah. <laughs> I, especially in our area. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I've never baptized someone and brought them back through the waters and heard a scream. And then after this scream, there was this type of just the only thing that I can compare it to is like a heaving. Like there, like, like, you know, you're, you're, if you've ever tried, you know, if you've ever been sick and you're throwing up and you like dry heave, there's just nothing coming out. Yeah. That's what it was like. And then after that, she did that like three to four times. Like she, the scream, kind of like the heaving. And then she puts her hands in her face and just starts crying like this. And like I said, I've seen a lot of behaviors, but I've never seen anything crying quite like that. Right. So as this is happening, the other man who's helping me baptize her is very startled. Okay. Uh, like very startled. So he actually sees this and he actually takes a step or two back huh. and was kind of in like a, like a defensive posture, kind of like this. Yeah. Like kind of had his hands out, like didn't really know what to think. So anyway, after she, you know, she starts, she puts her hands in her face, her hand, you know, face in her hands and starts crying. Uh, we, we help her back to the, back to the bank and we get her to the bank. And whenever she gets there, you would think that she would go and like run to her family and celebrate you know, and you know, all that kind of stuff that comes along with the baptism, right? right you know, you've got yeah. everybody who's coming, who's there and they're like, oh, we're so proud of you, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Well, that wasn't what happened. So what happened was we get her back to the bank and she sits down at the edge of the bank, right on the, where the concrete's starting to, to start. And she, she ha- grabs her head like this and she just starts rocking back and forth like this in kind of like a curled up position sitting down oh my gosh very very strange behavior and so her family like comes to her yeah you know and so at this point like i i'm i've never seen anything like that but i you know i don't say anything about it like uh i you know i say you know talk to the family and they're like thank you so much and you know that kind of stuff and you know i say goodbye to the family and um, that's it. So I get in the car and my wife is waiting in the car. Um, she's went ahead, uh, went ahead of me right. and she, as I'm sitting there, as I sat down, she said, Josh, I'm going to ask you something. I said, okay. She said, you think there was a demon coming out of that girl? Yeah. And I was like, you know, I said, I wasn't going to say anything about it. Um, but that's exactly what I thought. Yeah. I was like, and the interesting thing is, is whenever we were out in the water, I actually prayed a traditional style exorcism prayer while we were out there. And then that happened immediately afterwards. Yeah. My wife's kind of just mind blown at this point because, you know, she's been with me this entire journey. She's seen a lot of baptisms. She's like, I've never seen a baptism like that. Hmm. So, I go home and whenever I get home, I start getting phone calls and mind you at this point in my, at this point, I'm a very skeptical person. Like, uh, you know, I'm one of those, like prior to this event, I was one of those types of ministers who wasn't even sure if things like this happened today, you know, and the reason why is because you see so much of it on, you know, televangelism, you know, that kind of stuff, uh, you know, the evangelism channels and it's done so badly you know, and a lot of people do it to try to get your money and, you know, that kind of stuff. So that really turned me off. 
on a lot of this stuff and, and really just led me to the conclusion that a lot of this stuff was fake, you know? And uh, so honestly, I, I just thought that a lot of that stuff was for show. And I just, I wasn't entirely convinced that this type of stuff still happened today. Um, or if it did, it was very rare. You know, when, when I went to seminary, the way that they kind of trained me to think about this type of stuff was to, um, I mean, they, they kind of teach you to kind of almost view it in a disenchanted way. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by disenchanted means is a purely naturalistic, scientific view. Like there's no, nothing like supernatural about it. Like most of the time you're taught to view this as all oh, the person has a mental illness or something like that. And, you know, it's not demon possession, you know, that type of stuff doesn't happen, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and they'll even say things like, you know, a lot of what people thought throughout church history was demon possession was actually, you know, mental illnesses. They just didn't have the right language and categories for it, you know, that kind of thing. So that was kind of the framework that I was rolling with at this point. And then this event happened. And then whenever I get home, I start getting calls from some of our parishioners who were there. I get a call from one of the, the, the women, a woman who was there, who's also in dark collar, uh, who is one of Kristen's best friends. And she says to me, I'm, she's like, I'm going to be honest. I was very startled by what I saw. I've never seen anything like it. I know Kristen. I know what type of person she is. And I have never seen her do or anything like that. Do you think that a demon come out of her? So this is a second person who, who's not out in the water with me, who's, right. who has no idea that I've said this, you know, baptismal right, um, who's drawing the same conclusion. And so, I, you know, I had a conversation with her. Then after that, I get a call from her sister-in-law or her sister and her brother-in-law. This is after he gets home from work. He works in the coal mines. And he says to me, uh, they're, they're both, they've got me on speakerphone. They're talking to me together. And both of them, um, Derek's asking me what's going on, what's happened. And Misty says, Josh, you know, that's my sister. I've known her my entire life. I know what type, she's like, I've never seen anything like that. Do you think that a demon came out of her? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, had the conversation with them and then, at about it was approximately somewhere between you know 11 to midnight that night i finally talked to the other man who was with me doing the baptism you know we're talking i'm like you know how you what did you think about today he's like well you know i felt like that we you know that we we got you know what little bit we got to talk to her you know i felt confident that she you know was professing faith and i'm like no 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 no, no. <laughs> i'm not talking about that I'm, I'm i'm sure i'm sure of that you know um i'm talking about the actual event itself and this man is a very if you know this man he is a very careful very careful man very skeptical man too um he kind of come out of that type of tradition where that the stuff that i was talking about yeah. and so you know he came out of that he knows kind of the dangers of it and so anyway um he paused for a minute and he said to me i'm going to be honest he said whenever we were standing out there in the water and she came up and she did what she did. I thought that something maybe come out of her. And I said to him, you know, um, I'm not entirely sure that's what happened. At this point, I'm still kind of holding to this type of, you know, skeptical type right. of, you know, like, oh, I'm not, you maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. And I was like, but I said, here's one thing I know. I've never witnessed anything like that in my life. And it's, it's interesting that it happened whenever there was an exorcism right, baptismal right that, that accompanied it. I was like, so, um, you know, so that's the event. Um, and after the event, you know, Kristen went to rehab, you know, um, I think she actually went to rehab the next, the next day or the day after or something like that. Um, she actually went to the hospital for a toe and, you know, all that stuff. But anyway, um, so that was kind of the way that I approached the event. I was like, you know, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. You know, I didn't want like some, like there to be like hysteria or, you know, something like that. All right. But uh, anyway, whenever she got back from rehab, one of the very first things that she did was actually call me. And she told me 
her perspective on it from her end. Yes. Um, very different, very different person at this point. And uh, she, she confirmed to me that that was what she had experienced. And so from that point on, I was comfortable with saying this is what happened. Yeah. Wow. Gosh. Uh, yeah. See, demons and possession, that has always been the one thing that's scared me. You know, yeah. I was I was raised Catholic. Interesting. Um, and to me, it was very real. You know, yeah. I, I remember I was a little boy. My grandmother was watching 2020, and they had like this exorcism on on tv and i hid in the bathroom you know what i mean because mike couldn't handle it and that that's always been the thing that's frightened me until here recently when i figure how much power we have over you know these spirits and stuff right but um let me ask you man uh so she she confirmed that she felt she's yeah. she felt it leave right yeah yeah she also said to me and confirmed that Whenever she went down on the water, you remember me saying that she fell? Yeah. She said that whenever at that point, the reason why she fell was because she was experiencing some type of phenomena where something was shoving her down into the river. Really? Yeah. Okay. So it kind of made sense to me of some of the odd behavior that I experienced. At the time, I had no category for it, but after I talked with her and she confirmed, I was like, wow. This makes a lot of sense of the the stuff that I thought was very strange. Yeah, like the con, the like the convulsions might have been more of a, a struggle that you're feeling her, yeah, fighting against it, and the broken toe. Yeah, that's an attack, right? Yeah, that's very. It's trying to keep her from going. Yeah, and she talks about that. Like, and that's one of the things she, you know, if you if you listen to her perspective and her testimony about it, she talks about that as she's walking down, there is just this struggle going on and like there is something trying to keep her from going down into the river and then basically it's like hey well since you're you finally come out here and you you had the courage to do it i'm just going to put you down on the river and i'm going to keep you here yeah oh my gosh that's that is that's still scary man (laughs) yeah it's it it it, honestly yeah it was something that startled me um and honestly in some ways still does um you know but yeah it's yeah so okay let me ask this yeah when when she came up that scream was that her scream or was that this a demonic kind of thing um because initially i thought you know she come up screaming and then starts crying maybe it was from relief yeah but was it was there something was it still hanging on was it was she purging it? Is that what the, the the gagging and stuff was? I, you know, if if I were the one to answer the question from my perspective, yeah, that's what I think was going on. You know, I, I think that at this point, what's going on with Kristen is, I think in the process of the baptism. Now, so I'll, I'll say this: I don't believe that 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 baptism saves. Like I. I'm not the type of Christian that, that believes that baptism saves. There are people out there who would disagree with me on that and think that. Right. But what I, I think happened was, is I think that God in this particular event saved uh, Kristen through this baptism. Yeah, And I, I think did. that the, the entirety of the event was the thing that led to what I would say the expulsion of this entity in in what appeared to be heaving or you know something like that that's what i would say i i think that you know a lot of people think that baptism saves just in and of itself you know what i mean yeah yeah i think that it it took i think all of the conversations leading up up to this event probably opened her eyes in some ways and and perhaps was working on her and you know led to conviction and Mm -hmm. And things like that, um, and I think that the prayers and the pr- proclamation of the gospel in the river, and you know, prior to that, I, and all just the whole event, I think God miraculously used this whole event yeah. for that. And I think that that's what, personally, I think that's what was going on in in that that behavior. Yeah, that's exactly what that sounds like to me too. Yeah. Interesting, interesting fact. Um, 
whenever uh, Ward, and I don't know if he talked about this in his interview with you, um, whenever Ward rolled back the film and was examining the film, um, there was a weird EVP on that part of the film. And like, it really sounded like in the video, a type of animalistic type of noise. I don't know if he mentioned that or not, but he did, it's in actually. dark color. He, he, yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that until months. Well, until we, we got into, until, you know, we got into filming dark holler, you know, way on down the line. And, you know, we had kind of given him all of the evidence from the, you know, the event, you know, and he was, you know, sorting through it himself. He was actually the one that found it. I, I but it was the, the screen that she let out was, it was harrowing. And it's, it's something that I, I will probably never forget. I want to take just a minute to tell you guys about SquatchSurvivalGear.com. If you're into camping, bushcraft, survival, prepping, or just looking for an everyday carry, SquatchSurvivalGear.com has everything you need. They have the gear to help you survive the worst day of your life. You know, it's just to help you be ready. Uh, for me, I have the Rock Ape Pack. It's one of the backpacks that they offer. It is, it's a good size bag. You know, it, I, I took it out on my last trip for a, for a four-day camp, and everything I needed fit in there. Um, they have things that go from that size down to like a sling bag. They have a bigger bag, you know, like the Grassman or the Yowie. Uh, and if you haven't noticed, they have cool names too. You know, they're named after, you know, these cryptids, the Minahuni. Uh, they, they, they got it all. But the gear itself is 100% made in America. Every component is made in America. Um, the guy that's designing them and making them here, his name is Chris. He's been on my show a couple times, but he's a uh, he's a veteran, and he went with the gear that he used while in military service, and reconfigured it to to be even better, and made it available you know to the civilian sector. Top of the line gear, absolutely bomb proof. I love it. Best I've ever had in my life. You know, I've I've had Camelbacks, I've had LL Bean, I've had uh, some some really high end stuff, but this Squatch Survival gear, it just it steals the show. Uh, it's fantastic gear. So go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com. You can use promo code Bump Ten and save ten percent on anything on the entire site. I'm as as horrible as it, you know some of the events sounded. I'm so glad she went through with that. You yeah. know that she was delivered and yeah. it, it's changed her life. Yeah. She's an entirely different person today and has been, has been since like it's, it really, it really is amazing if you were to talk to her today and yeah. you know, like she's, she's a different person. It's, yeah. You know, cause I know we're from the same area, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, initially I would imagine, you know, from a, a spectator's position, you know, if I was standing there watching, you know, you would almost believe if you didn't know her, that it would be some kind of theatrics, you know, some kind of yeah. dram dramatic reaction. Yeah. But if you have all these people coming and saying, you know, that's not her, that's not, that's not the type of person she is. And she was reserved and yeah, you know, that just, that gives you so much more, peace of mind knowing that you, you you were a part of a miracle man yeah well that was the thing that was the thing for me that really helped seal the deal on my thoughts about it was just because you know i, I remember asking people afterwards just because i was trying to dig in further and to, to just figure out like what it was that i experienced and you know i remember asking people because i didn't know Kristen that well at that point right and just like you know, is this, is she like a, you know, like, is she a dramatic person? You know, is she like, you know, is she a theatrical type of person? Like, and then everybody's like, no, like she's, and you know, the more that I've been around her, you know, from, from dollar collar and, you know, even the interview that we did on, on cultish and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Like that's, she is who they said she was. And, you know, that was, uh, that was a pretty, pretty foundational for me to draw, to draw some of the conclusions that, that I did. So. And it's changed your life. You know, it, it, has. It, it took you from the, uh, 
you know, skeptical Christian, you know, because yeah. uh, I, I feel like, you know, Christianity is very watered down, you know. Yeah. Um, it took you from that to the, the man you are today, you know, reading yeah. Dr. Heiser's work. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, that, that event, it, it changed my life. And not only did it change my life, but it changed our church's life. Yeah. Um, because that led to me getting into the work of Dr. Heiser and, you know, who talks about the unseen realm and the reality of, of things like angels and demons and the different types of spiritual entities that are out there and how they interact with the world and that kind of stuff. Um, it, you know, that led to me teaching a lot of this stuff to our local church, which in, in turn changed their world. And so, you know, there, like I said, there's definitely the part of Christianity out there where it is watered down and like some of the stuff that you see on TV is fake. Right. But on the other hand, like you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, like I would, like I was doing. Yeah. Um, there is the side out there too, though, that is discerning and isn't into that, and like really are encountering things like that. And yes. that event took me down the rabbit hole in some some ways. <laughs> well, I'm glad it did. Um, yeah. Like I told you before we started recording, you know, just in the last year or two, you know, my eyes were opened up to the reality of all. Know, that everything's real you know yeah spiritual warfare is literally going on whether we realize it whether we agree with it That's we're true. dealing with it you know yep um the the more i hear the less i you know i don't want to say i don't believe in science that would be ridiculous but yeah the more i hear the more i believe that a lot of these are uh, a misdiagnosis when there is an oppression or a yep. possession and we're slapping a label and giving it a pill and just feeding that demon and keeping it happy, you know? Yeah, no doubt. It's, it's true. And honestly, this event has changed the way that I pastor people, you know, prior, prior to this event, um, you know, somebody would have come up to me and said, I'm experiencing demonic oppression or affliction. And I'd have been like, eh, maybe, you know, right. like, you know, you probably need to go see your doctor. Is probably yeah. what I would have told them. And, you know, now, like, I feel like that that's just not a great way to pastor people now, right. you know, like, it, and, uh, but the, here's the reality. That's how most pe pastors are taught to yeah. pastor. Yeah, and that. yeah. And so for me, it's, it's changed just my practical, you know, day to day with people, you know, now, like, you know, I try to help people who are dealing with actual, actual mental illnesses and things like that. And, you know, try to point them to a doctor, but at the same time, I also now have the categories and understand how uh, spiritual warfare, how those types of things happen in someone's life. And Kristen was honestly, in some way, she was the perfect case. Like she, she was not only was she using mind altering drugs, but she was also, you know, use dabble. She had dabbled enough in the unseen realm using witchcraft and things like that to where she was open to different types of spiritual beings out there that, that led to what she, you know, experienced today. And so, hmm. so you think, uh, was she dabbling at that point, Josh, or was she practicing? Yeah. 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 She was more than dabbling at that point. She was, yeah. she was practicing. She was deep. She was deep in at that point. Yeah. Cause and, I was wondering, you know, how does she open herself up? Well, I know you can, you can through drugs alone, you probably can lower your, you know, your energy enough to let this stuff in. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah was she using Ouija boards and stuff like that or she was, so from, from what I understand, she was using a lot of, uh, she, I know that she was using things like crystals and things like that. And, um, she, she was, uh, I know she was burning different, different types of things and kind of using them as offerings, you know, on her altar and stuff like that. But like, uh, the thing that's interesting is like, she was actually invoking the, like, like actual spiritual entities in her practices. And in particular, one of those spiritual entities that she was invoking is a known, uh, Mesopotamian demonic being named Lilith. I knew you were going to say that. That's what word said too. Yeah. Oh, wow. And yeah. And you know, the interesting thing about Lilith is 
she's actually mentioned in, in the scriptures, in the book of Isaiah. And he talks about her uh, in a symbolic way because, you know, spiritual beings have symbolism attached to them and stuff like that. And the, the, uh, the, she has like owl, owl symbolism attached to her in the scriptures and not only in the scriptures, but even in, you know, the Mesopotamian world. Like if you look up depictions of Lilith or Lilu or Lilith, uh, some of the names that she has, um, she has, like, you'll see owls with her. And, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of stuff in Dark Holler that happens with owls and night birds and things like that. That's really interesting that connects into this case. But, but yeah, so, yeah, you know, it's, it's more than just she was dabbling. She was actually invoking these known spiritual beings and asking them and soliciting them for things. And, oh my gosh, you know, that's, that's what happens. You know, you, you end up under the influence and, you know, in her case, more than under the influence, you know, possessed by um, spiritual beings like this. So very, it's, you know, it's, this stuff is very, very dangerous. You know, most people think that, um, that it's harmless and it's all in good fun and, you know, that kind of stuff, especially like we're getting close to Halloween, right? right. It's the season to play with Ouija boards and to, to dabble in things. And no, way it ain't. Da- <laughs> no, it's, yeah, that's right. It's definitely not the season to dabble, to dabble at things. Uh, that's how you end up in trouble and, and end up, you know, if you, you know, keep going to the links that she did how you end up in serious, serious trouble. So, yeah, man. So how did this, how did Ward find out about this? Like, yeah. Cause this was, you kept this pretty well private, right? You didn't yeah. like run no, to the Logan yeah. banner or something about it. You just, no, yeah, no, it was very private. And um, even in our church, it was very private. Like it's only the handful of people who were there from our church yeah uh knew about it so it wasn't even something like that we went just talking about and spreading like in our church um so so ward and i connected um back during covid so i mean we've been talking for years and like i said been a part of the same circles but um he and i have probably had more in common than others in that circle and so I can't remember if I messaged him or if he messaged me now, but basically um, he had kind of felt fallen down a rabbit hole during COVID Mm -hmm. and was like coming across a lot of similar things, you know, uh, hellier, right? Hellier. Yeah. (laughs) Hellier was one of them, um, which I ended up watching hellier during 2022. I did too. Yeah. In quarantine. Yeah. Yep. I, we did too. And, um, he ran into Hellier and then he ran into a lot of just threads that connect to that in some ways. And he, his, he, he knew that I was a pastor. And so he basically asked me if I had come across anything strange. And I was like, Oh oh yeah, I've got something, I've got something strange for you. Uh, And so it basically led to me telling him the story of Kristen and he's like, oh, oh, wow. You know, like uh, the, I, I need to learn more about this. And that actually led to an interview that he and I did. He's in Ohio. Mm-hmm. I'm in West Virginia. Um, so it, it led to our initial interview that actually led to Dark Holler. So he and I talked. Uh, it was probably over an hour. And he set up cameras, you know, just because he wanted to get it all on camera and and you know because he didn't know what was going to come of it at the time i don't think i didn't either but it was basically me telling him the story of Kristen and what all happened and after i told him the story he was he was he was in he was hooked and he had to find out more about this story which led to him coming down to west virginia and for like a week straight just shooting different things and then learning new things about Kristen and her story. Actually, during this process, we found out that the things that Kristen had experienced were not um, novel. They weren't just with her. They were things that her family had been experiencing 
for several uh, generations. Like mm-hmm. there, there has been this dark presence following her family and her uncle had actually been a practicing witch and had also um, experienced possession like she had. And he was somebody who was very um, significant in her life in some ways and that she looked up to. So. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had said something about how this exorcism, you know, this, this event wasn't the entire story of dark holler, you know, that it opened the door to a lot of stuff. Yeah. And it's the, the, the exorcism is kind of a symptom of a much larger thing. Yeah. Like it's, it's the, and it, like I said, I didn't know how deep this rabbit hole went. Whenever I met Kristen, Kristen, I baptized her, and then the exorcism happened. As Dark Holler was was happening, um, and I was around her family and hearing them tell these stories that I had no idea about. And honestly, they some of them didn't even know about it. Um, it wow. The rabbit hole went way, way deeper. Yeah. Well, I, I can't wait to get to see, you know, the series that he's doing. And I think he's going to send me a link to, you know, like a – a trailer or or something you know a little yeah. little something i, I want to see that but when I, when I found him on instagram i don't know how i found him either on instagram yeah. um I, I saw pictures of downtown logan you know yeah i thought man i, I used to walk around on these streets you know yep. and so i started clicking through and i sent him a message i said do i know you and he said you might you know who are you and we, yeah. we hit it off. And yeah. Just- I, so we, we got down here. Whenever he got down here, basically conversations happened between me and him. So like, you know, the following the going further down the rabbit hole led me to investigating all sorts of high strangeness and just weird stuff. And, um, you know, it basically like you'll hear me in dark holler kind of giving Ward an overview of some of the high strangeness and the weirdness that's occurred in our area, you know, from the Mamie Thurman stuff yes. and some of the phenomena that happens with her to, you know, there's, you know, there's reports, you know, of things like devil dogs and, you know, things like that. And, and, you know, not just that, but, you know, I, you know, there's a old, you know, legends of, you know, at certain times of the year, you know, the, the spirit of Devil Ann's Hatfield up, uh, you know, down Sarah Ann comes up out of the grave and, you know, replays a baptism. You know, there's all kinds of little weird local stories. Yeah. Um, there's even UFO sightings going all the way back to the 70s. In our oh, area. yeah. And so I, I, I kind of filled him in on a lot of that stuff. And then, interestingly enough, a lot of the stuff kind of connected in together in some ways. And Kristen's story falls into a larger story that's at yeah. play. It's kind of like our own hellier, but holier. <laughs> you know, yeah, right, right? Yeah, it's and yeah. Instead of us ending up down in you know the cave somewhere and invoking Pan, yeah. it ends up in a, uh, in a river invoking Jesus. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's but yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, I I would say that even some of the stuff here that we found, you know, whether you know you know, Greg and Dana and the Hellier folks aren't aware of us or anything like that, but right. you know, there's a lot of the stuff that, that actually connects in with a lot of the stuff that they're finding and, and doing, I think, I mean, yeah. you know, some of it connects into, you know, point pleasant, you know, point pleasant stuff and Mothman stuff. And then, you know, a lot of that type of stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Which is I, right up their alley. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it all connects. And like I was telling word, our area is supposedly, you know, the Native Americans call it the duck, the dark and bloody ground, right? Yeah. Between southern West Virginia, eastern Kentucky, the region, you know, it was like a hunting ground, but it wasn't so much of uh, a place to raise your family, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, uh, I, I think that has a lot to do with the phenomenon in, in our area. Um, I yeah. think that the, the, the Native American presence here and, you know, the, you know, 
also you have paganism, which uh, from a Christian perspective, and people may disagree with me, you know, who have differing perspectives, but from a Christian perspective, that would, you know, uh, that could explain a lot of the weird phenomena here because we have, you know, we have geographical areas being, from my perspective, again, being defiled with pagan worship, Mm -hmm. you know, invoking spiritual entities. And like, why would we not think that they're responding to this? You right. know what I mean? So, yeah. Nobody's telling them to leave. So that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, in some, honestly, that's my theory. I have a theory of everything on why this area is the way that it is. And, and yeah. I think that, yeah, my theory basically is this. Uh, my theory is that this land is under what somebody like Mike Heiser and what the Bible would call a principality. A principality is is basically a spiritual being that was placed over the nations at Babel, like yep. Deuteronomy thirty two. Whenever God spread, you know, He spreads out the nations in the Babel event in Genesis chapter eleven. He installs uh, angelic beings over the nations. Yes, and in the Bible, the the name that they get attached to them are principalities. Principalities simply just means princes. Mm-hmm. So what happens is those spiritual beings end up rebelling against the one true God. And that's where the gods of the nations come from. Right. And so, you know, what happens from there is the nations are scattered, right? You know, um, we know that at some point in the history of the world, um, there were things like land bridges that connected continents that are no longer connected. And perhaps even continents were closer together and hadn't spread out at that point. We don't know. But um, you can see how people could spread out to these places. And you can see, um, well, I, I call it in some ways, Babel in your backyard. And here's what I mean by that. Um, you see, well, you see things like Egyptian style um, architecture yes. in the Americas. Yes. Like if you go to South America, you see things like pyramids, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they, they have very similar architecture and it's all the same worldview, right? Like at the top of these pyramids, it's like a holy mountain, right? Like you're meeting the gods there. Right. And that's what they would do. A lot of the times there were, um, you know, temples that sat at the top of these pyramids, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Inca and, you know, Aztecs and stuff like that. They would have a temple at the top of them. They would make sacrifices at the top of them and roll heads down the steps. But you get to South Charleston, West Virginia. There you go. <laughs> and even the serp and even the serpent mound. Yep. And you have you have high places. They're different, but what are they? Well, they're they're mounds. They're mounds. But they're they're high places. And then there's people buried in them and there's ceremonial ashes in them and those types of things. So how does that get here? Right. There's well, my there's giants in those. There's yeah, there's giants in those mounds. So my theory is that this event from Genesis chapter 11, the scattering of the nations, some of those people with that worldview mm-hmm. scattered to the Americas. And so whenever they scatter to the Americas, guess what comes with them? The principalities that they worship. Yeah. And guess what comes with the principalities? A lot of weird, strange phenomena. Desecration of of lands, of grounds, darkness, that type of thing, and so that's why that's my theory on a lot of this stuff. That's I I agree with you one hundred percent. I feel the exact same way. Uh, You're not alone. Yeah. Did you listen to my episode about uh, on the Trail of Giants? I started to. I haven't got to finish it yet, but I've listened to a little bit of it. Okay. Um. That guy's his name's Adam Stokes. Mm. He went to uh, I think a Yale Divinity School. Yeah, he went to Duke University. He got his doctorate somewhere else. I can't remember off the top of my head, but his theory, you know, his research because he still studies ruins and everything else. Yeah, um, was that some Israelites or Egyptians or you know commingling of made their way over to here. Yeah. And what we're seeing is basically American pyramids and that it's, it all ties in. And yeah. I, I've, I'm right there with you, you know, cause yeah. he didn't want to necessarily say that these giants in the mounds, you know, might be 
you know, biblical giants that they were just maybe yeah. a, a big race of people. Right. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I think that what we have here from 5,000, however many thousand, 9,000 years ago, uh, this, this goes straight back to principalities. I think it goes back yeah. to biblical days. Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad you said it the way you did because you have, you're much more well-versed in this kind of talk than I am. You know, I, yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. I just, I know how I feel and what I think, and you're saying it all out loud and I love it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it, it may surprise people to hear that in some ways, but all of the, I think that's one of the reasons why our work at Sword and Staff has appealed to a lot of people in the paranormal community, because we, we are able to basically take a lot of the same things that they've been saying for a very long time and able to place it in a framework and say, yeah, like, actually your worldview overlaps with the biblical worldview and like they're not actually at odds with one another exactly it's all yeah. real <laughs> it's, yeah. that's it's all real it's all that's right. real you know yeah you're not you're not crazy like all of this stuff yeah like it, there's another book that i read uh, i actually have it back here on my shelf called through new eyes by james jordan and uh he talks about the symbolism of uh holy places and one thing that holy places all have in common is they're all high, they're all high places. Yep. So and they take on different forms in different cultures, but pyramids are one, right? Mm-hmm. That's high. That's a high spot, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got what's called, you know, you've got the mounds, which are the same thing. They're artificial, uh, art, you know, man-made high mm-hmm. places. And then you've got obsolisks, which you see those all over Egypt too. Um, but all of this stuff, it all corresponds to one another. It's all used for principality worship. It's, uh, yeah, it all fits together. Yeah, every time, well, not maybe not every time, but a lot of the times in the Bible, when, when God comes to talk to somebody, where do they meet him at? High grounds. Right, on the mountain, right? Yep. Up on the Moses, mountain. Moses, Mount Sinai, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, even Eden is on a mountain. We learn that in Ezekiel. And the rivers flow down off of that mountain and water the world. And then, you know, Jesus gives his famous sermon on the Mount. He's transfigured <laughs> on a mountain. Yes. The last words that he gives to his disciples in Matthew 28 is on a mountain. The church in Hebrews 12 is called a holy mountain, Mount Zion. Yeah, so, so of course they're going to build mountains to reach to their gods, right? That's right. That's, that's the worldview. And so that's how you end up with this worldview in your backyard because it came from that place and mm-hmm. th- with this worldview and it ended up here. Now, if you can convince people, like I was watching Wrath of the Titans last night, not Clash, but the second one. Yep. And, you know, and they're like going into uh, Tartarus, you mm-hmm. know, and you got these old gods chained up down there and, you know, all the demigods running around that people were worshiping and stuff. And the whole time I'm telling my wife, I'm like, this is real. You know, yeah. <laughs> these are Tartarus the is, gods, you know. Tartarus is real. Yeah. And, Peter uh, talk. Peter talks about it in the New Testament. She's like, just watch the movie, you know. And I'm like, I can't help it. I want yep. people to know. Yep. Because God, our, our God, is the Most High. That That's, that doesn't. If He's the Most High, there means that there'd be some middle ground oh, guys, right? You know, these right. these lesser gods that That's right. made up Greek theology and. That's right. Roman. That's one. That's one hundred percent right. Yes. Yep. Yep. They they are they're they're the principalities that are in rebellion to Him. You know exactly. And, Yep. They're, they're, that's that they're Deuteronomy 32. They're the sons of God, all of that. You know, the interesting thing is I'm actually going to be talking about Tartarus here in the next uh, couple of weeks. Awesome. Um, yeah. Peter actually talks about that's where the angels from Genesis chapter six are kept in gloomy chains until the day of darkness. Yes. And it's interesting because in Greek, in Greek myth, who is it that's kept in, in Tartarus? It's the Titans. Right. So yes, <laughs> huge, huge overlap here between <laughs> yeah. worldviews. Yeah. I probably lost about, you know, 500 listeners just now. I probably went too far for them, but went know, too far. it's okay. It's yeah. all right. They can tune in next week. There we go. Uh, well, Josh, uh, I know it's a little late. So if you would like to just tell everybody where they can find your podcast, because I love it. I want everybody to hear it. Uh, all your social medias. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us uh, on any major podcasting platform. Uh, our podcast is called the sword and staff. And like I said, we're on Apple podcast. We're on Spotify. We're on Google podcasts, all of that. Um, we're also on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, both of the, our handles on those 
our at sword and staff order. So you can find us there. We're also on Twitter. Um, I actually don't handle any of our Twitter stuff. Richie handles all that. He likes Twitter, but it's sword and staff WV there. Um, so you can find us there on Twitter as well. Um, we also have a blog. You can just type in, uh, it's a medium.com backslash sword and staff order. If I'm not mistaken, it's been a while since I wrote, we've wrote any blogs, but we like to write on occasion. Um, now for dark holler stuff, you can find uh, dark holler all over the place. It's on Instagram at dark holler or dark holler film. Uh, I have to check on that. Let me, let me see. Wrong. Let me uh, double check. Okay. Too much stuff to keep up with these days. It's all right, man. I think it is dark holler film. I think it is Dark Holler Film. Yep, it's Dark Holler Film. Okay. Yep. So you can uh, follow the work of Dark Holler. It's at, at Dark Holler Film on Instagram. Uh, it's Dark Holler on Facebook. I think that if you, uh, he, there's also a website too um, for Dark Holler. Um, let me find it real quick. Yeah, darkhollerfilm.com. So there's a website and there's some information that's posted there about the film and you know, that kind of stuff. So, but yeah. Also, if you're interested in our church work, you can find us at newhavenwv.com. We're New Haven Church um, on all our social media platforms. So awesome. you can find find my work at all of those places. <laughs> you're, you're not hard to find. Is that what yeah. you're saying? No, not at all. Not at all. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, I just want to ask, is there anything else, any other How Strange and Stories that you want to throw out there that that we didn't cover that we might want to cover or you want to uh, cover later <laughs> well uh i'll say this we're we're digging into a lot of high strangeness cases and exploring them and investigating them uh some local uh we're fixing to actually head to point pleasant here uh not too long from now i think that ward's actually going to help with us uh help out on that trip and we're actually going to be recording some content from out there um hopefully we can find some interesting things still yet going on in point pleasant and yes. and connect it to some of the stuff that we've been talking about here today um so we've got that going on uh not happened yet but you know whenever we get something going with that you know maybe we can tell that story at some point so sweet sweet and i know ward's going to go hang out with tony here in a couple of weeks right yes that's correct yeah. he's already dropped that that nugget on us so i, I can mm -hmm. go ahead and share it so yeah yeah, he was excited about that. He had told me about it. Good deal, man. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, yeah, it means a lot to me. I can't wait to put it out here. It'll be out you know, shortly. Um, if there's anything I can do for you, if you want to just meet up, have a cup of coffee somewhere, just let me know, man. Holler at me. Yeah, absolutely, man. My pleasure. And, and thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I All right, that's it for this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to the show. If you just have to have more content, you can go to patreon.com slash the bump podcast and subscribe and be a patron. Uh, got more and more content on there every week. So I hope you enjoy that. Uh, to catch up on past episodes, go to the bumppodcast.com, click the episode tab, and it'll take you to any episode you want to listen to. Also, if you want to be on the show, I would love to have you on. Share your story with us. Go to the bumppodcast.com. Click the holler at me button and holler at me. Send me an email, thebumppodcast at gmail.com, and uh, I'll get you on as fast as we can. All right, again, thanks for listening. I love you guys. Until next time, don't stop believing.